Welcome rock and metal fans. Coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal. B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s and today. Playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests and more. So grab a beer and turn it up. It's time for the Headbangers Vault. Welcome to the Headbangers Vault. This is the B1 Bomb. And I'm the Smuts. What's up, everyone? And tonight, Schmutz, we got another big guest on the show. Huge, huge guest. That would be a Mr. Paul Lane. Of Danger Danger, The Defiance, uh, a lot of other stuff. We're going to get into this here. Well, guys, with that kind of intro, I'm very aroused. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) So, Paul, where are you calling from? I am calling from the middle of nowhere, guys. Oh, I right. uh, I live in a place called Vancouver Island. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah, in a little town called Qualcomm Beach. Just just a small place where I grew up. I still live here. That's so cool that yeah. you still live there after, you know, all this time. Yeah. Yeah, they won't take me anywhere else, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I <laughs> so, Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself here. Uh, well, I'm six foot one. I got blue eyes, and I'm wondering if I can find you fellas on Grinder. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! That is your real hair, though, right? <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> tell you about myself. Uh, obviously, I like humor. <laughs> Absolutely, we do too. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, man, I'm just a small town guy, you know, who uh, who just um, likes writing music, and um, every now and then I get out on the road and get to go play it. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, you know, I kind of stayed to myself, and I'm pretty boring. <laughs> well, from your body of work, it doesn't seem that way, though. No, it seems like you're busy a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So I spent, I mean, literally, I spent all my time. If I'm not working on a record, I'm working on, you know, a film or some TV show or whatever. Right. That's kind of like, you know, I made, I made a life out of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Both of us are from a small town mm-hmm. as well, so... We never really escaped. Yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere also, Indiana. Yeah. Cornfield surrounding us. Sure. Paul, take us back to the beginning of your career. Tell us how it all started. Sure. Well, when I was a kid, I got got signed to Electra Records, and um, that kind of all began. You know, I began like most people did. You know, I had had a band, and um, I was writing songs for that band, and I was always just going to be the guitar player, you know, and the Mm -hmm. songwriter and Somehow I ended up with a record deal uh, as a solo artist. So, yeah, I got my start um, then. I went to L.A. and, um, you know, shopped all my demos and stuff and and got picked up. Kind of the cool thing that happened to me back then is that I got I got like three different record offers. And because I had that, I got to kind of get in a bidding war with these record labels. Mm -hmm. And that landed me with Bruce Fairburn producing my record. I basically just said. Whoever brings me Bruce Fairburn gets me. Okay. And uh, a label did bring me Bruce Fairburn. He was my favorite producer at the time. And, of course, you know, he produced all the Bon Jovi. Yeah, that's uh, right. You know, Poison, you know, ACDC, all the Aerosmith, you know, all those big records of that time. And wow. he wow. was local. He lived there, right? So, so awesome. I Yeah, I, kinda, I wanted to work with my with my childhood hero. So, so that's kind of how that all started. 
And so I made that record and that's what got me, um, you know, I'll, I'll try and fast track this story here. That's how the Danger Danger guys heard about me. Okay. Okay, from your, from your solo album. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. That was like one of their favorite records. I didn't know that. I did not know them. And so they had been contacting Bruce Fairburn to produce the Screw It record, which was going to be the Screw It record anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fairburn said no. And uh, so the engineer, a guy by the name of Erwin Musper, who was the engineer on my record, found out that Danger Danger had approached Fairburn and said, hey, if you want that Pauline record sound, I'm the guy who was the engineer on it. I can." Mm-hmm. So he ended up producing the Screw It album. And that's yeah. how I got to know those. Irwin calls me up one day and goes, hey, I got these knuckleheads that really want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reason that I'm working on this album of theirs. And so that's how I became friends with Steve and Bruno. Okay. Uh, they yeah. just like ran, they called me during the making of that record. And we just kind of stayed friends over the phone, you know, because mm-hmm. this is internet days, mm-hmm. kids. Right. So that's, um, that's how I ended up again, getting the call for danger, danger when uh, they're going through their, their troubles with Ted. Back up just yeah. a little bit here for you, Paul. What was it like writing and recording your first solo album? Was it a good experience? It was, uh, it was terrifying, man. Bruce Fairburn was working on, uh, so I recorded at Little Mountain Studios, which is a really famous okay. studio yeah. here. Mm-hmm. You know, again, where all those records that I just mentioned were made, mm-hmm. uh, including Dr. Feelgood was made there as well. Wow. So uh, Fairburn had me come into the Aerosmith pump sessions because that's the album he was recording before doing my record. Wow. So I would go to the Aerosmith sessions thinking, I, I want to quit already, man. I'll never be that good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I watched Steven Tyler work every day and just going, I, I you know, this guy's a genius. I'm going to come in here after this band and it's going to be a letdown, you know? <laughs> so, so that made me kind of get my shit together really fast. Right. Realizing kind of the gravity of a, who I was working with and, and making an album with and B what the job was. I mean, you know, up until you get a record deal, you kind of have a fantasy idea of what mm-hmm. what that means, mm-hmm. right? Right. But at the end of the day, it's a job. It's hard work, and it's and it's lots of pressure when you you know once you sign the contract. So I kind of realized as a kid, I <laughs> I got to um, you know kind of shake whatever I thought the business was and embrace what it actually is. Well, I got to say, it's a really so, yeah. good album. Yeah, I love the really pr- good the album. I love it. The production value is really smooth. Thank you, man. Yeah, I wrote most of that like when I was 17, 18. And um, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, um, you know, I kind of got lucky with that record. It sounded sounded good to me, too. It was what I had mm-hmm. envisioned. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate that, like, people still like the album. Because oh, yeah. I yeah. can't listen to it anymore. You know, it's, you know, when you're a kid, you, you know, you write that music and then you get older and yeah. everything develops like, musically. Right. Did you tour for that album at all or not? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I toured with Joan Jett, with Richard Marks. Uh, I did the flying in a blue dream tour with, um, Joe Satriani, which was, mm. you know, that was a strange double bill. Uh, <laughs> okay. wonderful guy. Played with Brian Adams. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did a bunch of stuff. Uh, in that first kind of year and a half, and then everything exploded uh, with my management company. Then I ended up firing my manager, and mm. then I ended up leaving the record label, and that's when Danger Danger called me. So it's kind of 
you know, as my solo career kind of skyrocketed up and then exploded in midair, I got the call from those guys. Okay. Wow, that was definitely a blessing right there. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, no idea what I was going to do, you know. So you that, think the that, grunge coming out at that time just kind of oh, affected sure. that? A hundred percent. How could how could it not? Right. I mean, as they call call us now or whatever, hard rock bands all of a sudden were a joke to the next generation. Uh, mm-hmm. Not and, to us. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, look, it was, it was a really strange thing. I, I kind of you know add chalk it up to like you know kids don't want to listen to what their older brothers listening to you know, mm-hmm. and when something new and and people gravitate towards it, plus the business sees it. You know, every record label just went, oh, that's hot now. We're going to Seattle. Yeah, they want money. That's yeah. what they're there yeah. for. So, yeah, it just, it just changed in a way that nobody saw coming. So, so many bands got left out in the cold and did not know how to pivot. And, you know, right. what's cool now is to see, you know, with the Defiance, I was going over to Europe, uh, you know, pre-pandemic and playing all these festivals and seeing all these bands from back in the day have a second life. Mm-hmm. overseas yeah, that is awesome yeah we talk about now you're on frontier yeah, records we had a whole episode on yeah. frontier records yeah and uh we love frontier records yes. i mean it's it's amazing <laughs> yeah so many great artists yes. yeah because you know god bless frontiers records because they mm. they help you know a lot of these bands kind of get back out there and you know make new records and give everyone a purpose for doing it again absolutely and they're yes. a cool old school label right they do old school kind of record deals and and working with them, you know, they appreciate the artists that they work with. So it's uh, it's a wonderful thing to work with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, when you first took over for the vocals on Danger, Danger, did the fans accept you with arms wide open? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fellas, I was playing shows and getting shit thrown at me. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, Paul, I'm, I'm going to come clean right now. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to be Go completely ahead. honest you with you. Schmutz. I mean, I'm a big Ted Poley fan. So am I. But I would not. Have, I would not have threw anything at you. Um, but uh, as I went and listened to the the Danger Danger albums with you on, I mean, you do an awesome yes. job. Yeah, you do just as good as Ted. I mean, seriously. Yeah, I agree. So I just want to say that. Yeah, it was just you know it was a different it was a different shift in sound for those guys too. You know, I mean, Ted and I sing quite approach songs differently right mm-hmm. but ted is you know i never got in into the whole ted you know thing of like bad mouthing or whatever i never mm-hmm. wanted to be that guy and i always wanted to respect fans mm-hmm. I, I mean look hey when when dave lee rock wasn't in van halen anymore it was an adjustment for me right right, right. yeah, yeah absolutely. I grew up loving, so i always understood it when i was out on the road with those guys in the beginning i was like all right man i'll take my beats I'll take. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can throw. You can throw throw shit at me, but I'm um, I'm gonna still be here. Wow. So that's so cool of you, though. I mean, yeah, you, you, you think in that way. That's awesome. Yeah, it's music, man. We gotta be grateful to be to even be a part of it. Absolutely. Like I, yeah, I, I came from absolute nothing, and so to get to do that was not in my wheelhouse as a kid growing up. I yeah. never thought I was gonna make it out of a foster care system, let alone get a record deal. You know? Wow. Oh, we're glad you did. Yeah, for sure. Me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I do have a question for you with Danger Danger. Sure. What was the story behind that Cockroach album and like the legal issues with it and why it came out later? Sure. 
I came in at, at the last minute on that record. They had split the sheets with Ted, and I guess that was just it, it couldn't get worked out. So, you know, I got the job. I came in and did that record in uh, three days. And not to say that as a braggadocious way, just to say right. there was a schedule. You right, got three right. days to the record company, Sony or Epic or whatever, was had a schedule to have it released right after that. And Ted, whose father is a lawyer, you know, mm. took a lawsuit against the band and mm. against the record label just before the release date. And boom, that kind of shut everything down. Wow. Okay. And so the, the litigation for that went on for years and years until, you know, obviously the band finally won. Right. And Ed just kind of said, hey, guys, I won't contest or appeal this as long as you don't make me pay the bill. So that was it. Because the, the judgment that was handed down is that Ted would be paying the, um, the legal fees right. for, for the lawsuit, right, that, mm-hmm. that he encouraged. So then, then the record just sat there. Technically, Sony Epic still owned it, right? I say mm-hmm. that because it was Epic being, uh, it was mm-hmm. being bought by CBS and all that was being bought by Sony at the time. So anyway, so the record sat on the shelf for, for years. Sony agreed that they couldn't hold us as a band anymore if they weren't going to release anything. So they freed us up to then continue as a band outside Sony. Sorry, this is getting a bit technical. Um, and then and 10 years later, because they own the Masters, they decided to release it. Okay. So okay. There, was, there was no way we could release it. Mm-hmm. And okay. songs that were on it that we did release on, uh, like, uh, For the Hard Way and Gilder Sleeves, we had to re-record them. Oh, really? So that wow. we would own the Masters, right? Okay. Mm. So yeah. those are obviously versions then are then are on cockroach is on cockroach so okay. yeah it was Did not know uh, that wow. yeah didn't sound fun <laughs> no so when it came out you know i was happy that it came out as a double record i was happy that it came out as a ted version and a me version because right. i thought yeah. you know th- it's all about the fans it's not about me or ted really you yeah, know it's about music and, and, yeah. it's just about music and steve and bruno like busted their ass to write that record you know that was that was a really good record in my opinion. Yeah, and I I, I love Time in a Bottle. You nailed that song. That is like incredible. Oh, thank you. Do you know that Bruno plays cello on that? <laughs> really? Yeah, Bruno's actually a good cello player. And um, he grew up, see, Bruno grew up with, his father was in the New York Philharmonic, right? Okay. His mother ran a violin school, so Bruno grew up with all this classical training wow. as a kid, and his dad used to make him get up, you know, 5 a.m. every day and do a cello practice as a kid. Wow. And he okay. talks about it and he'll never admit it. But I'm like, I have so much love for the guy. I'm like, dude, man, you should talk about this stuff. I think it's so cool that he's that talented, man. I that feel- is cool. So when did you form the Defiance? Was that a little bit later after Danger Danger or how that all come about? Yeah, that was years and years later. I left Danger Danger the night that we recorded the live record, live and new. That was my last show, and I knew after I had finished that uh, that tour and that last night of recording that I was done. Okay. Um, okay. I just kind of wanted to go back because I was, you know, making records with Steve and Bruno, and I really just wanted to go make records on my own. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's kind of when I decided that was a good run, twelve years, and mm-hmm. it was time for me to to just shift. You know. Okay. In between uh, Danger, Danger, and the Defiance, 
you did a country album. Yeah, and I also had a before that I had a band called Shoegazer and I, a record deal with that. And I okay. so I made one I made a record that I really wanted to make and uh and then after that, yeah, I I decided after the Shoegazer thing that I was going to just quit and work in the studio as a writer and do different mm-hmm. things and a producer, right? So I left the business for a while. And uh, what brought me to the whole sort of country world is in like around 2010, 2011, some friends of mine in a band called Headley, Canadian hard rock band, okay. is popular here, right? A couple of guys in the band were developing some country artists up here in Canada. And they said, hey, you should, you, you want to like contribute some songs? I'm like, I don't know anything about country music. I mean, I was not paying attention to right. what was happening. And, um, so I started, you know, working with these different artists and I found that I could write this music. And it was like, I basically, you know, understood at that by that point, country music is just like ripping off the eighties, like crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. So, <laughs> right. right. And then all these guys like Dan Hoff is producing, you know, from giant is producing country records. All these oh, people yeah. were gravitating towards Nashville. And as a writer, it was a lot of fun for me to do. So I started writing all this music and then eventually I had all these songs that I went, these songs are for nobody really. They're just kind of Southern rock meets country meets kind of rock in a way. And some friends of mine were like, dude, you should just make this record because it sounds like you. And so I went, well, I'm not going to do this until I get legitimized because this sort of feels foolish. So I had a guy that was a, a big hero of mine in Nashville named Bruce Bouton. And Bruce is a steel, uh, he's a, like the director for um, Garth Brooks and Reven McIntyre. But I'd come to know about him because he had played steel on the Shania Twain record. And I thought, who is this guy? He just he plays amazing. So I bugged him for about a year just saying, dude, can I work with you? Can you tell me if my songs are any good? Like, if you give me the okay, then I'll feel like I can go ahead and do this. He wouldn't talk to me. And finally, one day, he, he called me and he's like, will you stop, like, leaving me messages and stop <laughs> sending me emails? Like, uh, he goes, what do you want? Like, I go, listen, man, I just want to work with you. I'm not crazy. I just want you to, like, listen to some of my material and tell me, you know, if you tell me it's bad, I'll never bug you again. He goes, okay, fine. Send me a couple things. So I sent him a couple songs and he called me back and he goes, this is great. Who do you want to work with? And I go, you mean I can, I see, I wanted to go to Nashville and make a record down there. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He said, pick whoever you want. And I said, okay, I'll pick Glenn Duncan who did all the rascal flats records. I'll pick Mark Hill. Who's a bass player for Keith Urban. I'll pick you. And, and he goes, done, 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 done. And then a month later I was in Nashville making a record with him wow, and all these wow. guys. So that was kind of how the whole dark horse thing happened. And, um, yeah, man, I was just doing my own brand of Southern rock and having fun doing that. And that's when uh, Frontier started calling me because the Dark Horse thing was out and I was sort of on the map again mm-hmm. um, and touring with and they're like, hey, Paul Lane's making records again. So then they offered me a solo record deal five years in a row. And oh, I wow. kept saying no. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Every New Year's Day, they call me and uh, sort of send me an email saying, you know, please, will you make a solo record for Frontiers? And I was pretty committed to doing the Dark Horse thing. And so they called Bruno and said, knowing that Bruno was one of my best friends. Right. Yeah. 
It'd be really interesting if you and Paul Lane made a record. So Bruno called me. It was like, this feels like it's something sentimental. I'll do this for sentimental reasons. Yeah, they got to you. So uh, <laughs> they got to me. They got to me that way. Because I get, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they knew what would make me do it. So, uh, you know, Bruno and I stayed friends, that, you know, since I left mm-hmm. Danger Danger. Like, you know, we'd call each other every week and just stayed in touch all that time. So when he called me, I'm like, oh, man, I got to do this. So we decided to write this record. It took us three months and we had a blast doing it. And then, you know, we put it like the whole time we were laughing, going, nobody's going to want this. Like no one's going to pay any attention to this thing. So we just like pushed it out in the world, laughing, going, yeah, we'll sell three copies and that'll be done. But we had fun making the album. And, and you know, of course, the reaction to it was not something i would ever expect wow so it picked up a lot of steam then when you guys released it yeah classic rock magazine like was giving us accolades and gave us aor album of the year that year and all of a sudden awesome you know sweden rock is calling us and rocking all these festivals are calling us to play so that was really nice it was nice for bruno it was nice for me and uh, we always wondered what it would be like to write together right without being in the confines of danger danger Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is you know we both kind of like kind of fun to to marry something modern with the past and you know kind of have our our own brand and that's really what we set out to do but again thinking no one's gonna like this we like it no one else so. well, i love it that's great <laughs> thank you so, did you guys tour for thank that album at all yeah we ended up playing not i wouldn't call it touring i'd call it doing you know one-off shows at okay. festivals mm-hmm. so we would go out and play three or four of you know rock festivals a year and then I continued touring, you know, playing the Defiant stuff uh, and solo record stuff in between that. I mean, Bruno won't leave his house without making a certain amount of money. So with the Defiance, it's, you know, it's like it's, it's a fairly hefty price tag for us to go play a festival, you know, because and I, I appreciate it that Bruno, you know, he's, he's got to take care of, right. of what he feels he's mm-hmm. worth in order to leave. So that's that's why we don't tour a lot but when promoters do come and and pay the right price we show up so, okay what would yeah. kind of be that price range <laughs> i'm just i'm just asking I mean, he's asking for a friend yeah i'm asking for a friend because i'm i'm trying to my friend my friend in quotations is trying to open a concert venue and, right, uh, America's easy. You got to understand, guys. We go to Europe, right? So it's it, the Europe price is totally different than playing America, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we get uh, when we play in Europe, it's generally shit. Should I talk about this? No, I, I'm not I don't know. No, no, you don't need to give me a price. I was kind of messing around, but you know, maybe yeah. you could tell me off the air or something because I would love I'll, to have I'll you play. Tell you, America's easy. America is way cheaper. You know, okay. going, going mm-hmm. to. Well, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you guys plan on doing any festivals for your new album? I sure hope so, man. We're probably looking at doing next summer. The problem that we had this year was that it came out in June. Mm-hmm. And so, the you know, all the festivals were already booked. Generally, you know, we're looking at January, December, January is when people start booking right. for the next year. So this we got we had a late release uh, this year. That was just really what. And it's kind of like kinda, a summer album. I agree. I mean, it I agree. I wasn't good. intentional. Yeah. yeah, thank you, man. It w- it wasn't intentional. It was just, and I think uh, 
19 Summertime was like the last track oh, yeah. that we wrote. I love that song. Yeah, that's like a summertime hit song, you know, even thinking back when you're youth and you heard them big songs in the summer. It's like, man, I feel yeah. young again. Yep. Yeah, that's my time machine song. You know, I, I put that on and then I get out the wrinkle cream guys, you know, <laughs> I get out the hair dye, right? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like making videos for a drive? It's kind of crazy because we all live in a different place. Like Bruno lives in New York, right? I live here and Rob, the guitar player, lives in Stockholm, Sweden. Wow. So mm. we all had to film ourselves. Right. We all had mm. to like hire a camera crew. We all had to measure like the distance from the camera to where we were shooting. We all had to match the same lighting and then send wow. it to a film company in Naples, Italy to put uh -huh. together. So yeah, it was a little different. Like last time we were playing frontiers festival on the last record and we shot, you know, two videos in Milan. Okay. So that was easy because we were all in the same room right. with this yeah. album. Uh, we we weren't going to be in the same room, so and you never um, would have known that on the video. No, you can't even tell. You cannot tell at all. Yeah, thank God to the PDF that they sent us saying <laughs> you guys, you guys you guys must all have a black backdrop and be this far away and shoot with this style of camera. <laughs> so you know, with technology today, it's pretty easy right, to, yes, to right. make that happen, right? Well, I got I got to say, like all the Defiance albums, like. From the first, second, and third, I think each album has gotten better. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I thank you. I just love it. I mean, I think all albums are awesome, but I think they just keep getting better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Bruno and I, we really try to. I mean, we both have recording studios, right? That's how this gets okay. done. And we we both just you know from from the first record to now, we just go, what can we improve on? Like, what can we build on production value wise? And uh, that's why this last record, it's more produced than the first two. We really pained over every little part on the record. And then we pained over the songs. This was like, we were very unsure of this record. Because really? we knew it would be a little bit different. Yeah. We kind of want to, you know, you, you don't want to make the same record over and over, but you do want to be respectful to the people that right. buy it. It's, right. it's a little right. heavier. I mean, but it's still got some, yeah. uh, it's still got, it Catchy don't have a balance, but it does have love doesn't live here anymore. I mean, that's okay. got me through right. some nights. <laughs> he lives to his ballads. I do. Yeah. But, but that's yeah, helped me through you. some that's nights. One of my favorite songs. You know, we kind of knew that it would be a few more mid-tempos than, mm -hmm. than straight out ballads on this record. Right, and I love so, those too. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's damn good. Yeah, we had to throw away songs as well, guys, right? You know, we generally write 30 to 40 songs oh, wow. per record and then start paring it down from there. I know this album just came out, but are you saying there might be a fourth? Ooh. Well, I don't know. That's, um, that depends on, you know, if Bruno's decided whether he's done or not. Mm -hmm. um, I would be happy to go on and make, uh, you know, another three Defiance records. Oh, wow. I, I feel like I got it in me. I would you know? love that. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, me too. I love, I mean, Bruno and I have a riot writing mm. together. It's just we click, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no problems. And I feel like we, we kind of have a style together that, you know, we can both get behind. So yeah, I would, would be totally open if Bruno wanted to at this point. Uh, I'm not sure if he does. And I'm not forcing the issue. Right, um, right. I just signed a three album deal 
with Frontiers to do three solo records. Nobody oh. knows that yet. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's big oh, news. Wow. I just got chills <laughs> to my body. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I, so now I'm coming back doing solo albums, uh, but that doesn't mean that the science is over. It's just, you know, right. I, I finally agreed to the, the Frontiers to do a solo. I didn't feel like doing a solo record before. I just still felt like writing for a band, you know? Doing a solo album is kind of, you know, weird to me because everyone is always going to compare it to the Stick It In Your Ear album. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I'm at the stage now where I don't give up anymore. <laughs> and, um, you know, what I mean is, like, I, I, I feel confident in the writing that I did for for the Defiance that, sure. you know, a Pauline record is going to be a little bit different. Now, I did hear that you also write for movies and TV shows. Do you still do that? I do, man. Yeah, uh, I write for a million TV shows, and I did. I did work on the last Tom Hanks movie, which was fun. A man, man called Otto. Got yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That was a thrill for me. I'm a giant Tom Hanks fan. So, what are some of the other TV shows? Because, like, when I was messaging you, you know, you were busy. The writer strike was over, and you were busy yeah, getting some I deadlines working, done. And yeah, I was working on the HTTV series for. Uh, uh, what is it called? It's like a like a home renovation thing mm-hmm. with a guy named Scott McGilvery, the host. So okay. I was doing ten songs for that. Um, I write for Below Deck. Okay, uh, heard of that show. I write for Pawn Stars. I write for it's endless. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of Netflix series like you know Ragnarok. I did that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know the Karate Kid thing. Oh yeah, uh, big fans uh, of that show. Oh yeah, huge. I did that. Uh, Supercars of the '80s with David Hasselhoff. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Wow, the Hoff, the Hoff, <laughs> the Hoff, man. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I do. What do I do? Southern Charm. I, I do a whole bunch of reality shows. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people probably yeah. listening to music don't know. I didn't know. You know, yeah. you're, you're watching a TV show or yeah. a movie. You, you don't really realize the background music. Yeah, who did that? I mean, well, someone's got to do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's because of the Defiance, a, com- a company in New York. The guy who owned the company is like, man, I love this Defiance record. Do you want to come and work for me? That's when the first record came out. So I kind of went, hey, uh, I guess I can just keep on writing. I was always going, wondering to myself, like, what am I going to do when I'm old? You know, right, like right. I can't keep making rock records. I gotta, but I still want to write. And so television and film. That I, you know, when I got a call from that company, I was like, ah, I can do this until, you know, I'm 80 if I want. Right. Yeah. Right. So that kind of was a natural thing for me to say yes to okay, and absolutely. proceed ahead. It also gets me writing, you know, I'm writing 70 piece orchestra oh, wow. stuff one week. The next week I'm writing country music and the next week I'm writing pop music, you know. You're a busy so man. It kind <laughs> of, yeah, it kind of sharpens my writing abilities by doing stuff that's outside the box for me. That's so cool. And I did see you have a project that's called the Jet Set Junkies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? that? Yeah, sure. Jet Set Junkies is, um, I I met this guy on tour uh, 30 years ago. We were playing, we're both in uh, England and we're playing the Headbangers uh, Ball Tour for MTV. (laughs) Okay. And, so I was I was in Manchester. I think it was our first date. I met this guy, this great guitar player named Lee Revel, and he was in a, a band called the Blood Red Saints. Not then, but you know that was kind of his last band on Frontiers. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
you that you may have heard about. Anyway, 30 years ago, we became friends while doing this tour together, and we we did a handshake deal that one day we would make a record together. So, so fast forward to 2016, I'm playing Frontiers Festival. He walks up to me and he goes, "Hey, man, <laughs> I'm playing the same festival as you. Remember that deal that we did <laughs> in 1991?" <laughs> yeah. I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You still good for it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we started like writing a bunch of music together. And uh, with the purpose of, you know, releasing a record. I'm happy to say we're about three quarters through that album. Awesome. Um, I got him a job working, writing for the same company in television. Okay. So that is, that is also what has hindered us being able <laughs> right. to finish right. this album. <laughs> because, you know, we call each other, what are you working on this week? I'm working on the Real Housewives. What are you working on? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we've written this record that's really quite heavy. Yeah, that, and, that first um, song that you released is yeah, awesome. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's the whole vibe of the record. Just kind of like modern, kind of heavy, melodic rock. Okay. I don't know what to call it. I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know what to call it. But anyways, it just allows me to showcase my voice and my writing in a different way and his playing in a different way. Right. Okay, yeah. So absolutely sounded good. Yeah. So that's, that's our fun side project. Heck okay, yeah. yeah. Can't wait for that to come. Well, have fun. Yeah. Release that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it, it, it should be, uh, it should be out by the spring, I hope. So we're pretty, we're fairly close and you know, Bruno mixes our stuff. Okay. So I'm not giving him up, man. <laughs> right. He's a great, He's a great mix engineer. Okay. So awesome. uh, uh, that first single that we did, I just like, dude, man, I, you, you please continue mixing shit that I write. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> right. and so far, yeah. So far, he hasn't left me in the cold. Well, that's good. Yeah, that is good. We like to hope that. he does not. Paul, we got a few more questions for you as we wrap this up sure. here. If you could open up for any band, who would it be? Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. That's the craziest answer ever. <laughs> I just I just want to know what he has on his rider, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, right. I, love, I, love <laughs> I grew up actually listening to a lot of his stuff when I was in grade school, and we just ate that up. Oh, when kids. they had video, right. when they had videos on MTV, yes. it was funny. I mean, oh, it was good man. stuff. <laughs> right. so. No, if I could open for anybody, shit, who would I? I'd love to open for White Snake. Oh wow, oh, they're um, one of my favorites. Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, man, I met David like years and years ago when he was doing the Coverdale Page thing, and he was mm. so much fun. Man, you know, I I always thought he was this uber serious guy, you know, mm. when I was a kid, and then uh, when he was making that record at little at the same studio that I was working at, man, he was he was a riot. <laughs> That's so, awesome. I always thought one day I'm going to open for that guy. That will be like my favorite thing to ever happen in life if it does. And uh, so far, it hasn't felt. Uh, well, I hope it, it does. I, yeah, <laughs> I hope it does. I yeah. really do. I don't. I, are they still playing? They were last year. Yeah. Then he had some health issues. Yeah. And then it's kind of oh, up okay. in the air. I just read recently where he wants to put another album out, his final one, with a bunch of musicians from the past. So okay, cool. We'll see if that happens. Maybe like, like, maybe you get on there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, playing guitar. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. He's not, he's not going to let me sing. No, he's not going to let me sing. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk to him, we'll put a plug in for you, Paul. Yeah. All right. We're, we're, all probably, right. Never, we're probably never going to talk to him, but... <laughs> But if you do, but if we do, we will we'll, get you in there. Yes, we will. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Thanks. You're welcome. You are very welcome, Paul. Who are some of your main influences? Oh man. Um, so you know, as a kid, obviously, I grew up with the local guys, which is you know the Mike Reno from Loverboy, okay, Ryan Adams. You know, two two guys are from where I'm from, and a band called Prism. There was a singer named Ron Tabak. And uh, that guy was super influential on me. And then kind of, you know, as I, as I got a little bit older, Lou Graham was probably like from Foreigner was yeah. a giant influence for me. And in the metal kind of side of things, uh, you know, Rob Halford okay. and David Coverdale, obviously, oh, yeah. sure. uh, huge influence to me. I, I like the guys that were a little more, you know, bluesier in their approach. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Finn Lizzy. I love Finn Lizzy, um, ACDC, all that stuff is just uh, Scorpions. And now, you, didn't, years didn't you later, do, I didn't you do some backing for the Scorpions? Yeah, Scorpion album. Yeah, oh, that's wow. right. Right. Yeah, I did the Face the Face the Heat record. Okay. And uh, again, because Bruce Fairburn produced it, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I ended up working after I made a record with Bruce. I became his background vocal arranger guy. So that's how I got the Poison, you know, Flesh and Blood record. That's wow. how I got the uh, the Scorpions album and so on. So wow, that's big. That's, that's big. So yeah, man, I was working on the Scorpions record was the first one where I was like starstruck by that mm-hmm. band because they were they were one of my favorites as a as a kid growing up. I was just so nervous walking into to those sessions, and they were so cool that you know after a few days you know you could you could relax but mm. still every day i was like looking down at klaus mine going holy shit i'm <laughs> singing with klaus but this is oh. insane yeah I, that's sorry, awesome i should have said looking down but he was really <laughs> short <laughs> yeah he's a short little dude yeah, he is he's got a powerful voice though kind of yeah. like ronnie james oh, dio yeah. yeah man here's a fun fact when we're doing background vocals they can't Klaus would be right on the mic, and Bruce just kept like, Paul, take two steps back. Okay, take two more steps back. Take two more <laughs> steps back. So I was like, I was singing like six feet away from the mic, and Klaus was like, you know, uh, a foot. So, so he, has, he has this voice, right, that's like, it's massive, mm-hmm. but it's also quiet. Okay. Like, it's like this big sounding quiet voice. It's magical, obviously, <laughs> right. when you listen to the recording. But I always thought it would be this, you know, this huge loud thing, and it wasn't. Mm. So, so it was interesting to to hear him sing in person, and right. then also have to move very far away from him because I'm super loud. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah. Paul, what is your favorite? Danger, danger song and your favorite defiance tune. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, I would have to classify this in different things. My favorite song live ever was uh, to play and still is is um, "Sick Little Twisted Mind." I always kind of you know gravitate towards like the heavier stuff. Okay. It's a lot more fun for me to sing. So I know that that's not a big cut for anybody, but for me, I loved recording that and I loved singing it. Okay. Um, Defiance. 
that's a tough one. <laughs> you um, love them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's my favorite? Like every record, it's a different favorite. Like All Nighter. See, again, I yeah, like all I, the stuff that one. no one. No, right? I like, like that All song. Nighter on the second record was so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much fun to write and so much fun to sing, right? But that's not going to be someone's standout track. On the first record, I loved doing When the Lights Go Down. That was kind of like... um, And on this album, my favorite song is probably What what Are We Waiting For, probably. Okay. Okay. Again, yeah, I'm going to disappoint everybody. No, no, no. (laughs) You sing them, you write them. Yeah, they're your babies. (laughs) Yeah. They're your children, yeah. Yeah, all those songs for different reasons. They're just like, you know, they may not be the best songs in the record, but the funnest ones to sing. Okay. Okay. Smuts has got a question for you. What is your favorite, like, 80s hair band? Or early 90s. Or early 90s, yeah. Favorite 80s hair band. Again, I loved Zebra. Okay. I love Zebra. (laughs) B1 loves Zebra. I love Zebra, man. They're actually out on tour. Yeah, they are. I heard I get, I heard that and I'm like man I hope they come to the West Coast. They were not far from us. They were in Ohio. Yeah, they were about an hour away from us at a yeah. concert venue with yeah. John Karabi. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that band. I was like I think it was 1981 or something and I I used to get this show. I think it was called it was out of Detroit called WGH WGHN or something. Uh, they did a concert series on public television okay and some canadian people picked it up and i got to see all these great kind of you know uh, american rock shows yeah. and i saw zebra no one had heard it i had to like i had to order <laughs> that album at my record store yeah. order it in yeah man i thought it was crazy about you know the songs like tell me what you want oh and, those are great right and i wish those guys would have got bigger i mean i thought they would have been like a huge huge band they just never got to the top for some reason yeah, who knows why, right? Right. Um, White so Snake, many things. Big, big one for me. Yeah, White Snake was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are kind of my two top favorites, I okay. guess yeah. I would say. Good choices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We love them. <laughs> I love them a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's two, two of B1's favorite bands. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I don't, know, I don't know if it would be hair bands. That's a thing, right? That's right. Like, I, I, I don't know if that constitutes that. Well, that White Snake is, went yeah. there for a little bit. They were more of a bluesy rock, and then in the 80s, they became more of a hair band kind of deal. Do you have any, like, really favorite metal bands, you know, like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or Megadeth or anything like that? Oh, Iron Maiden was it, man. Yeah. Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. For the Beast record, I was just like, I was all over that, and I was screaming for vengeance. Yeah, Judas, Judas Priest. You know what? I just... We were playing Sweden Rock Festival, and Judas Priest was playing. This was, I don't know, 2019, I think. And I thought, is Rob Halford going to be able to, like, dude, he, like, he killed it. He sang just like he sang on that record. That's awesome. I'm watching this guy going, shit, that voice never went away. Yeah. Like, lots of people's <laughs> voices go, right? Right. Man, that guy can sing. Yes, he can. Have you heard their new single? It's really good. They just I haven't. It. Check it out. It is awesome. Oh, man, I'm going to. I had no idea. Yeah, they have a new album coming out next spring, I believe, and they just released the first single. Okay, cool. All right, thanks for telling me about that, because I'm going to check that out as soon as I get off off the phone. We love to throw out our trivia on the Headbangers Vault. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is there cash prizes, gentlemen? Well, that's coming up. <laughs> Hopefully someday. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, what's next for Paul Lane? Well, right now, I'm just starting on the solo record, and um, that's going to take me basically up till June. I'm planning a couple of uh, acoustic tours with Danny Vaughn, you know, from Taiketo. Okay. Um, okay, yeah over in Europe and uh, I'm I'm hoping to do some electric shows with the Defiance next summer but until those are you know solid I can't say that that's happening until it is you know right, okay. right. that's awesome I look forward to both those yeah <laughs> if I could actually well I'm not going to be able to fly to Europe but <laughs> start saving yeah, Danny and I are talking about doing America as well oh. um, he used to do these acoustic shows with uh, Dan Reed and now Dan's working on a film or something. So Danny and I um, work on some television stuff together. So okay. we, so we okay. just start tossing the ball around about, about wow. playing some That'd shows That'd be together. awesome. Yeah, we just booked, we booked one. Our first one's in Zurich Okay. Uh, at the end of July next year. And I think we're going to kind of work backwards in between the Taiketo tour to okay. do some more shows. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to your solo album. Yeah. I mean, you're giving me some stuff to look forward to here. All right, well, thank. Yeah, same here. I, I hope I'm. Uh, I hope I'm around your area at some point. We hope you get over to Indiana at some point. That'd yeah, hopefully I get my venue open. I'll, I'll get a hold of you. All right. Yeah, I'll come to Indiana. Heck yeah! All right. Awesome. Yeah, you'll find All out. Right. That there's more than corn in Indiana <laughs> yeah, when you come is. over. <laughs> <laughs> there's beans and all. You this heard it and- here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just gotta say, Paul. Like today, like I was waiting for you to call. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little fan moment here. Like, All right. I'll, yeah. I can take it. Okay. Like, Let me have it. Well, you, I mean, you're a little bit older than I am. I'm 47. I'm going on 27. But anyway, you know, you, you remember before cell phones and stuff. Absolutely. You know, like the hot girl at school would be like, hey, I'll call you at seven. So you had to be home. You know, you had to be like, man, no one's calling this number. Get off the phone. Yeah. And like all day, I'm like. That's how I felt all day. It was kind of like a weird feeling. I hadn't felt it for like a long time. And then like you finally called and I was like, holy shit. It happened. <laughs> so, so that was kind of how I felt today. And I just wanted you to know that. So <laughs> hopefully. Thanks, man. I, uh, I made it a minute late just, to, just I know. because I, I knew that about I was you. Worried. He was sweating. Yeah. I was. I was like, I, I mean, was... yeah. Your, your partner called me and was like, "Can you just treat him like it's a prom date?" Yeah. And I was like, "Man, I got you." <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> no, I, all kidding aside, thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate it. No problem, man. I love your music, and yeah. uh, I can't wait for more. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Paul. We appreciate this. Anytime, guys. Anytime. So everybody check us out on Spotify, Podbean, and all that cool stuff and what Nikki Lane says. If it's too loud, you're too old. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Keep rocking out there, everyone.
everybody, this is Paul Lane. Your mom, no. <laughs> Can you edit this all together into one hilarious? Now, let's do it again.